around the NFL podcast is always ready to go long. Well, welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name's Dan Hansis. Come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Greg Rosenthal, as always, he's the new rock. Forget about that Dwayne Johnson. And joining us, one of our favorites, I call him the guiding conscience of NFL media, Steve Weiss, back in the house. Welcome back to the podcast, brother. Oh man, thanks for having me right here. You know, gotta go, gotta go deep in the well. But I'm I'm in there somewhere screaming no, up in the echoes for help. Oh no, we got a, What a, I mean, what a bench we have on the podcast. Uh, when you have a Hall of Famer like Steve to tap as the ATN podcast drops like flies. Sessler's still on the mend. Was texting with Mark this morning. He's he's working his way back. He's feeling a little bit better, so that's good. But it's so good to have people like Nick Shook. Uh, people like Patrick Claibon and now Weish, who's taking time out out of an extremely busy schedule. Like, for instance, Steve, all over NFL Network, as you know, he's doing the Falcon stuff. And then what you got going on this weekend? Labor Day weekend. Yeah, Sunday, we've got the Black College Football Hall of Fame Classic between Grambling and Tennessee State. Me, Charles Davis, and Andrew Siciliano on the call, 4 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network. But it's, it's a showcase game for black colleges, and it's the two kind of most famous historically black colleges in terms of putting players into the NFL and into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So, going to be a good time. That's pretty awesome. cool. I mean, I'm lucky here. This is back-to-back days doing something with Weiss. He got, he got on me for not wearing a tie yesterday. It was kind of like grow up here. We're on NFL now. You know, start wearing wearing a tie, bro. Um, I, I'll do that. Cause, cause <laughs> hey, hey, guys, I'm, I'm going to do some, I'm gonna do some conscience. live. I guess you are Real, the conscience, yeah. He's the North Star. I'm going to do some live, some live podcast interruption here. Getting a little construction done on my house. Ooh. I have to pause for one second. Okay, that's fine. We're, we're okay. Keeping that there we go. That's sure. great content. That's great that content. In. And we're you not taking that you. out. But yeah, that's you know that's it's funny. A... You have construction no, in I... your house. Yes. I have across my street. Literally, they bulldozed the house this morning, and I was like, "Oh, uh, what's the uh, estimate on the rebuild?" And like, "Oh, about twenty months." So I got like, oh, cool. It's a good thing I don't have a TV studio in my f-ing backyard. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, let's way to go, Pat McAfee. Way to go, Pat McAfee. There, Dan. Yeah, I know. I can't help it. Sometimes the frustration of this home office life bubbles over. All right. Oh, my God. Steve's here. By the way, Erica on vacation. In, I mean, I just can't get over. On a tropical vacation this week, the grave digger, Justin Graver, has done a great job filling in for her. But unfortunately, with, with grave digger here, we can't get into the Steve Weiss song submissions. So <laughs> next time Steve's on, we're going to play some of those submissions. And if you haven't sent one in yet, Weish getting his own theme song. It's a big deal on this show. So uh, what were you saying about in. that bench then? What were you saying about that bench? The Gravedigger's not ready for the call-up? I Well, I think, I think Gravedigger is Grave ready. Digger is a big part of it. I mean, Weish <laughs> is a big part of it. Only Colleen has a song. So, you know, there's there's some controversy that you got a song before Claybon. Some of the Claybon, uh, Claybon Nation up in arms. The Clay Hive? They, they want the Clay a song. Hive? The Clay Hive. How about Clay Nation? Similar to Clay Nation. I kind of like that. Um, like yes, the uh, I believe it's what is it? Do you uh, Graver want to know what is our do you know the email that people could send submissions to Gravedigger? Yeah, not. I can I can find yeah, that. Look that up. Find that get, get back to us because uh, uh, want to roll that out next time. Steve's on the show. Anyway, coming up today. Yeah, it's very simple. It's actually the ATN podcast at gmail.com. Send in your Steve Weiss song submissions. 
Yes. Oh, right. I'm sure the, the hits are going to come rolling in, fellas. <laughs> All right, coming up on today's show. You know, we got you caught up Monday, Tuesday. What's going on with news and cut down day? Obviously, teams continue to be very active as they uh, comb through waivers and the open market to finish that 53-man roster. I. It's funny, and it's well, it's not funny to the the players at the back end of these rosters. But you make that 53-man cut on Tuesday, and then it's even worse. The next couple of days, you have to hope your team doesn't pick up somebody on waivers and and cut you after the 53-man cut down. That's got to be one of the more cruel aspects of of the sport. Uh, But with that in the rearview mirror, we're now going to talk about teams we feel better about or worse Mm. after training camp and preseason. So that's coming up in just a couple of minutes. And um, also coming up, one of our favorites, Vic Tafer. Over at The Athletic, he covers the Raiders beautifully. And we are going to kind of a state of Raiders nation. You Raiders fans out there sometimes saying, hey, you got to talk about our team more. Well, we got Vic. And I know, Weiss, you have a connection with Vic. Steve has a connection with literally everyone in the industry, and and Vic (laughs) Tafer is no exception. Yeah, Vic was down, Vic's a Miami guy. And when I used to work in Miami, Vic was down there. He was interning or or working, you know. Hmm. Right on both of kind of the initial stages of our career. Mm. I was a little bit older than him, but man, he is a hell of a reporter. Uh, the the folks who read the Athletic in Vegas are lucky to have him because he is one of the best NFL journalists that there is in the NFL. He he is awesome. One of my favorite beats to read always has been, but now you know now it's uh, him and Tayshawn Reed. I think uh, at the Athletic, we both do a great job, and uh, because the Raiders like. Not only are they fascinating with Mayock and Gruden, we'll get into it, but it's like there's leaks. Like you can, you can break big stories with the Raiders still. You know what I mean? Like there's drama behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, on the roster. There's questionable moves. Like they don't have it all locked down, but that makes them a lot more fun to watch. Well said. All right, let's get to it before Vic comes on. Let's talk about this. Uh, you know, the, the season now is one week away as we record this. The, the opener, of course... Uh, between the Bucks and the Cowboys, and then Sunday and Monday, everybody else, everybody else plays. So now, as we spin forward, let's take one look back here at the month uh, or six weeks that was training camp, three preseason games um, for most teams, and who do you feel better or worse about? Let's start in a positive way here, Greg. Mm. Do you want to share with us a team that you feel better about right now compared to say July twentieth? This sounds strange, but it's the Buccaneers popped up. Uh, Joe Tryon, or uh, as uh, the kids call him now, Joe Tryon Shoyanka, changed his name. So everyone get on that. There's there's a, a dash in there, okay. a hyphen. It's Tryon Shoyanka. Like, we didn't know anything about this kid, and he made as big an impact, I think, as any defensive rookie in the entire NFL. And sometimes that's what the preseason's all about, is just you see a player and you know. Like, oh, this guy is not only going to be – a quality third edge rusher alongside Shaq and JPB. I mean, he might be better than them. He might he might be as good as them right now. They were a little quiet in the regular season last year and then really turned it on down the stretch. I just mean, he looks like he's going to show up and play and they made it through a healthy uh, month. I just sort of liked what I saw and heard out of their skill position group. I think Antonio Brown is healthier and totally ready for this season. I think Chris Godwin who and Mike Evans, who had some injury troubles last year, Godwin had the drops in the playoffs too. Like if you watch them in their, their little preseason action and heard all the practice words, like they are ready to roll. Sometimes the Super Bowl champion starts out 
like just a couple feet ahead of the rest of the league. And there's no, there was no reason to doubt the Bucks going into camp, but I actually feel even better about them now after everything I've seen. Like everyone's healthy. I think they're ready to roll. I think they're motivated. And I actually think September is the, is the wrong time to play the Bucks. Mm. You might have a better chance against them in November and December than you do to start the season. They're going to start, out, I think, ahead of the rest of the league. Yeah, as if Todd Bowles need another toy to play with. I mean, this guy right. now, now he's, I mean, he's going to be drawing stuff up, you know, like who knows what. But guys, I like the Tennessee Titans. I mean, this is a team mm. we don't we don't talk about very much, you know. But I, you know, I got to saw him play in a preseason game. They've got excellent depth. Um, the backup quarterback, I believe his name is Woodside, and I think he's like an AAF guy or whatever. He he supplanted Matt Barkley as the backup to Ryan Tannehill. Nice player. They've got depth all over the place in the offensive backfield. But then I look at the rest of the division and that mm-hmm. looks like pretty much a catastrophe. Mm. Right? And, you know, I think we all I think we all really liked the Colts coming in, but now they've got injuries. Right? You've got the whole vaccinated unvaccinated situation with Carson Wentz. Um, you know, finally returned Houston, to practice Thursday. He, he yeah, back yeah, from the COVID he, list he, he's, he's back he's back at practice, but I mean he's missing time. You know, he had the foot injury, and he's missed some time because of that issue, because of the close contact issues, right? So we'll see. I think they're going to get it back because their defense is, is really good. I'm a big Darius Leonard fan. But then, you know, have got the Texans who are like five years away from being five years away. So that's a decade, <laughs> right, before I'm no. giving them an opportunity. And then the Jags, you know, like, look, I know everyone's getting Oliver Urban Meyer, too, for sitting here saying that vaccination status uh, played into our cuts, and now he's opening up an investigation. He's just saying out loud what the other 31 aren't. You better believe it. So, but look, besides that, they're still, you know, they're still deficient in a lot of ways. We'll see what Trevor Lawrence can come up with. But, you know, if he doesn't get killed, you know, I think this could be a Joey Burrow situation. Hopefully he stays healthy. But in terms of protecting him, that's an issue. So I think the Titans, I mean, I, I think they've got a pretty good roster. I was worried about some of the losses they suffered coming into training camp. I think they're rock solid and division wise, I, I think they are clearly the front runners right so- now. But do you are you into? Of course, they lost uh, Arthur Smith here. Are, are you into the Titans as having a good summer by default, just because you didn't like any of the other summers in the division, or do you actually think that there's more, t- this team can be better than what they were yet last? You did year? one of their no, games, I, right, Steve? In the preseason, I, I did, and yeah, and they're and they're going to be more diverse offensively. You know, some of my conversations with Arthur Smith, he's like, it was nobody's plan to have Derrick Henry have 400 touches last year, right? But they had some injury injury issues at, at the backup spot. So now they're going to work some things differently offensively. You're going to see more, and not necessarily with Derrick Henry, but you're going to see more passes out of the backfield. You're going to see that offense change a little bit with John Smith gone, right? So they're going to do some things offensively. They got Julio Jones there. So I, I think they're going to be a little bit more creative, a little bit tougher to defend, and they're going to open up the field a little bit more for Derrick Henry when he does get his touches, which, again, I don't think are going to be more, more you know, frequent or as frequent as they have been in the past years. I, um, I had them written down, too. I, I did. They were one of my teams, not just because of the division. Oh, that's a big part of it. That's the worst division in football. Um, but uh, I think they had a lot of positive things. First of all, Julio Jones is back at practice. I was a little worried about that. He just doesn't practice anymore. Now, he, he's ready to roll. Uh, I think they found something um, in their rookie uh, Bolden, Elijah Molden, rather. Uh, he's going to be their slot corner. Like Their defense really turned over, and that can go well or that can go not so well, but I like the secondary right now. Jack Rabbit, look, he officially changed yep. his name to Jack Rabbit, by the way. We I haven't like that. announced that on the podcast. I love See, that. You, you have to call him Jack Rabbit. Whoa. 
uh, I think Wes was ahead of the curve on that. Would always just it. just call him Jackrabbit no matter it. what. Uh, Christian Fulton's starting there. Like Bud Bud Dupree had a healthy preseason. Sometimes it's just about like who gets through healthy and who who like that you were a little worried about. Like when you changed everything, were they going to have an okay month? I, I just liked everything I heard from them. Taylor Lewan's back from his ACL. I'm with you, Steve. I think that feels like a pretty safe playoff team when I, I wasn't necessarily thinking that back I, in July. Know, and I also, you know, I'm of two minds on this because we just did our predictions uh, podcast. And I, and I threw out the Colts there as the division winner because I do feel there is a, a ceiling here that is a little higher than they're getting credit for if, if things click health-wise. But I had them ultimately on the team I feel um, less about after the summer because of the injuries you mentioned and also that schedule which we've hit on but the fact that they're going to be dis- they've had a disjointed summer with many of their key players and we also should mention T.Y. Hilton who's out indefinitely with this back neck thing uh, that schedule the first half of the season home Seattle Rams at Tennessee at Miami at Baltimore a little pick me up home Houston and then at San Francisco home Tennessee uh, the team that mm. they could have used a, a week schedule in the in the front end to get things under control after kind of a um a hectic summer but they got the opposite um and you had mentioned greg the health being important you know and it's it should be obvious but it doesn't always work out that way and i'm going to talk about the chargers a team i feel better about uh because the chargers and this should not surprise anyone that follows the team in the sport ranked fourth in weighted approximate value loss to injuries last season according to the injury tracking site man games lost and just the fact that they've gotten out of this summer uh with all their stars intact and they have such a fun varied roster of plus players justin herbert austin eckler keenan allen derwin james joey bosa all should be locked and loaded for week one against washington which by the way chargers washington one of my sneaky favorite week one matchups that sounds Mm, fun that is good about that that. it is good and I want to give you know credit. It's it's kind of tricky. How do you coming out of a, a summer with good health and being locked and loaded for the season? Do you, Brandon Staley, the new coach, you give him some credit? How about Anthony Lamondo, the new director of sports performance? They added a whole bunch <laughs> a of Lamondo. Yeah, a Lamondo. They had to. They added a whole a whole new protocol in terms of how they handle practice, stretching, rest before and after, how they handle the preseason. And, you know, some of this obviously goes back to luck. And uh, But I, I appreciate, and I'm sure Chargers fans appreciate, that this new coaching staff didn't just say, well, the football gods got the Chargers again last year, and they actually made an effort here. And uh, I just think the spoon of good health, uh, which could blow up in the second quarter by week one, of course. We know that. But they're locked and loaded with arguably the most exciting young roster in football. And, and, their, uh, and their offensive line additions. Yeah. I mean, having that offensive line, I mean, that was that was an issue. And they look strong up front right now. That's that's a dangerous football team. Bulaga's been in and out. That That's one of those, though. It's like they didn't play at all in the preseason. You're right. On paper, it looks good. That's a that's a week one test. And you're not going to learn every. I think week one is almost like extended preseason at this point, especially for Fool's teams gold. like the Rams and Chargers. Yeah. Fool's uh, gold. You know, it's hard to evaluate too much. On paper, though, you're right. Like, Joey Bosa, to me, is is such a you know important part of that team that needs to be healthy throughout. But if you kind of look at the rest of their defense, they're a little thin next to him, but the linebacker group, like they're excited about the, the linebackers that they have. Kazir White, uh, Kenneth Murray, like Drew Tranquil, like that is a sneaky, good young group. They add Asante Samuel. And a lot of people noticed, I mean, we're going deep here on, on the charges. We haven't talked about them much that they, 
they cut Tyron Johnson, who made a lot of good plays with Herbert last year. And wow, like people were really surprised at that. And that told me like they like their receivers. If he couldn't make that team, that tells me, okay, like I I'm I feel almost a little better about the Chargers receivers if he couldn't make that team. Like that surprised me, but it shows that like they like the depth that they have at receiver, which is we we don't not a lot of big names behind the starters, but could be guys, especially Josh Palmer, the rookie, that make a lot of big plays. One fly in the ointment, because I think it's fair to throw with all the all the good vibes. There is a general feeling like, wow, they got rid of Anthony Lynn and they're going to solve their game management issues. They were 32nd in expected points added on special teams last year, for instance. And we know all the clock gaffes down the stretch. Uh, but this is good from Mike Sando at The Athletic. They did a ranking of AFC teams and they ranked the Chargers number six in like a vote. Uh, but one voter said... That remains to be seen if they will improve game management-wise. Their head coach and three coordinators have a combined three seasons of coordinating experience. Wade Phillips had more in, like, 1985. Mm. So the game management stuff is not a lock. That's that's fair. So I'm just going to sprinkle in a little bit. Beware, Chargers fans. And, and, and the special team happen. stuff is fair. The special team stuff is fair because that was not a last-year anomaly. That goes back decades with the Chargers. Yeah. Well, plus, so. I think – uh, Daniel Jeremiah is still their radio guy, so that's Ooh, at a, a, at a certain point you got to upgrade. Got to upgrade. I mean, you want to wow. give money a huge extension, and then you want to, you know, see what else you need to do. <laughs> Matt Money's with the so why why should uh, we were talking about like whether to listen to podcasts at one point five speed or not. Um, that the Move the Sticks podcast—that's one you can listen to at one and a half or two. Just like you want just, to accelerate to the finish, yeah. Just just bang bang through it. I loved because Andrew Siciliano brought it up on air to Weish, and Weish just the most classic Weish answer was like, "I'm not looking to speed things up at this point in my life. I'm looking to slow things down." And I was just like, "Hey, preach, well said. preach." Well said. That's, where, right. that's where we are. Greg, tell me somebody you're not feeling so hot about after this past month. I tried to convince myself the Giants were going to be like the most watchable Giants since the pre-Eli Manning era. Just a little, you know, a little bit of spice on offense, a lot of weapons around. They had a lame month. Mm. Galladay and Kadarius Tony are back on the practice field this week, so maybe they get out there for week one, but their offensive line doesn't look any better, and sometimes teams tell you what they think about their own roster with their transactions. They've made about, like, seven transactions on their offensive line in the last week, just, like, picking up anyone's leftovers and hoping they can slide it in. Like, it just it doesn't look any better. So if you got a bad offensive line, a quarterback that's probably not going to overcome a really hard situation with an offensive line and a play caller that hasn't inspired a lot of confidence that he's going to like scheme his guys open. It just feels like <laughs> the same old giants. Yeah. You added Galladay and, and Tony and, and Barkley's back. And so they should be, they should be better, but I'm not, I, I, I think they had a, a rough month. I'm not into the giants right now. I, that was, that was my number one team too. Cause I mean, Galladay, how many times has he practiced? I mean, it's, it's in the last two years, that, by the way, not it's not even just a right. this year thing, right? Right, and, and so I was kind of like, I'm not sure, but you know who else, guys? And, and you know, it's, it's weird saying it's the Denver Broncos. I was really, you know, I, I really love their defensive talent. I like their offensive line talent, but. Hey, Steve, you know, tread look carefully at, here because Greg yeah, I, literally, wait a second. he can't even stand up right now. He gets so excited talking about the Broncos. Like, you got to okay, just let him know. Right, just okay. let him know So this on that coming. note, okay, so. You've got the Chiefs who can score. Oh, wait, they're playing the Broncos. They can get score on the Broncos. What? Chargers who can score. 
The Raiders who can score. The Broncos, can they score? We know Teddy Two Gloves, right? He, he's great. I'm sure defensive coordinators right now are flipping out having to face Teddy B. <laughs> That's it. Oh, with all this sarcasm. As opposed oh, to Drew Locke, though, wow, what changed okay, in training? Okay, so, so, oh, so, 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 so here's my point. coming after you. Here, here's my point. In this era where we're supposed to have all these offensive Svengalis and quarterback developers and things like that, they had very moldable clay. They had very moldable clay. Now, some of it on Drew Locke, sure. But people I've talked to, like, Drew Locke did everything right, but when George Payton came in, from Minnesota to be the GM, Teddy Bridgewater, this guy, let's play it safe and let's win game 16 to 13. That works once, maybe twice in the NFL. Show me a team, show me a team that's routinely held people under 20 points a game. And the, only score 18. The new 16 only, 13 is just like 23 20. You know what I mean? Oh, that's the new 16 13. And so Te- Teddy can Greg, get the 23. Teddy can get you to score. 23. Sutton. <laughs> Hamler, Tim Patrick. Are they running jet sweeps? Jerry Judy. Are they running jet sweeps? Albert O, Noah Fant, Javante Williams, Woo. Melvin Gordon. <laughs> like, seen, I'm just saying, I think, they, I, I think they can score a little bit. You know, when you got this a straight out Patty of the Shermer Matt. calling the plays, you're going to be Oh, fine. boy. This is straight <laughs> out of the Matt Nagy school of victory. Oh. Mm. I mean, look, again, I, I'm pulling for the Broncos. I love their talent. I love Teddy Bridgewater. But I look at that division – now look at the AFC. These teams are, are really good. They can put up points. You're not winning ball. Now, if they generate 35-plus turnovers like the Dolphins did last year, okay, they have a chance. Okay, they, they've, got to, they've got to get the takeaways. But, I mean, I was really, really liking the Broncos coming in, and now I'm just kind of like. You were liking them with Locke, and then Teddy Teddy changes your mind? with it? This is some bad yeah. thinking. I love this. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Yeah. Like, they have, it's, Locke's, it's Locke's not like shoot the, the ball Bears, down field. It's not like Nagy and the Bears because they, they have so much offensive talent. That is what I'm banking on, that it's not just the defensive talent. Yes, you look at, you look and you, it looks like a top five defense and certainly a top five defensive play caller. But I think if you just go weapons, go running back, wide receiver, tight ends, that might be top five too. So, 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 so you're surrounding you... a mid-level quarterback with a lot of good pieces. So if you put Little Jerry Andy Judy... Andy Dalton 2015 if you put, action. If you put Jerry Judy... Wow. And Cortland Sutton and Melvin Gordon on the Bears. They're going to the playoffs. Alberto, no, Noah Fant, deep. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. No. If you put Teddy on him too. I mean, they had Trubisky out there, the 29th <laughs> quarterback. Yeah. So is the ceiling, Steve, to you? And I love Teddy's this not as bad as you think, <laughs> Wait, Steve. Greg, so I'm, not, Steve, I'm not saying he's bad. I love him, but he's. Is the I mean, ceiling to you? Cortland Sutton. Is the Go ceiling ahead. to you, Steve, the 2018 Bears for the Broncos? Like, if they if they get a bunch of turnover luck on defense and they have a, a perfect season in a lot of ways on defense, they can win double-digit games, but still it doesn't make them a true contender because that offense is just going to kill them? you got to score in the NFL now. I mean, I, look, I, I, love, I love the talent. I love what they're developing, but the Chiefs are going to hang 30 a game. The Chargers are going to hang 30 a game, and the Raiders are going to hang 30 a game. I'll believe the Chargers when I see it, though, with Joe Lombardi uh, on offense running running the play. I just want to see it. I just want to see I agree. Herbert uh, no, in a I, new I, offense. And, and I agree with that. And, again, I'm not throwing total shit. I am. I, I was really high on the Broncos coming in, but now I'm just kind of like when I look mm. around at these teams in the AFC, okay. 
AFC's right. 10 or 11 the, deep. The, I've never seen it like this. Where yeah, what are the, I'm having where are trouble the finding a spot for the Chargers in the playoffs, who I'm always a huge fan right. of. Tr- having a trouble finding Steelers or Browns. Like, can can two or three teams really get out of that division when it's that deep? Like, it it is. I've never seen the AFC this deep. So that you've that part got, of it is true. And you got you've got to get 24 a game, and I just don't see that consistently okay. with the Broncos. I, let me. Uh, transition uh to another team and i mean you're not getting that song now but yeah you know <laughs> steve you have no idea how much I'm, this I'm just quarterback like situation it. means to the I broncos need someone to argue team. i love it <laughs> because if it's like if he won't listen to mark and i try to ramp down the expectations maybe the north star of nfl media oh, will please. smack some sense the tito, into him. The tito landrum <laughs> Tito dude, you, dude, you can pull off the bench and put on any position. <laughs> um, all right, I want to get this on tape so everybody knows, so you're not dunking on me on Twitter. I, I am very down on the Jets as having a season of true progress this year. I know it seems like I'm all over the map, but there's the optim- optimistic fan of me that just hopes for the best. But this was a really bad month for the Jets. It started tragically when Greg Knapp, who was a really respected quarterbacks coach, um, dies tragically in a bike accident. Um, You know, he was uh, supposed to be a guy that was really going to help Zach Wilson. And then the Carl Lawson injury, just devastating to what the Jets need to do on defense. The Vinnie Curry then, he's a rotational rusher, a veteran, not as big a deal, obviously, but still then he leaves for the season with a blood clot issue. Um, The offensive line is supposed to be better. But if you're reading about this team, there's issues on that line right now. Makai Becton did not have a good summer. Michael Flora even called him out on it, the offensive coordinator. And I just think if the line isn't ready to roll, uh, if a secondary that is just so green, and then they take and they release Blessum Austin, who is their most seasoned uh, cornerback this week, the the secondary is really dicey. Without Carl Lawson, it's going to be very difficult to get a push. Um, I like the interior of that defense. Uh, But then you have, and then on the other side of the ball, questions that offensive line, an unproven backfield, and a quarterback in Zach Wilson, there's going to be a lot of bumps. And when you factor in what Greg also uh, said, that this is a loaded AFC, which I agree with, um, it's going to be tough for me to, to see the Jets winning more than about four games this year. Wow. And it, and I think that I think you could still come out of the season saying we're going in the right direction if they go uh, maybe not four, let's say 5 and 12 or something. But I think this is just the way this summer has played out puts them behind the eight ball and they were the last team that needed uh bad breaks uh this summer and they got them and I've recalibrated my expectations this year as a result. Dan, you bring up an you know two interesting points and we can have the conversation about offensive line concerns with 28 teams right now. I mean, it, you know, that, that's real interesting. But more so, when they're about the Jets having four wins. When I'm looking at the teams that picked in the top five, six, seven this year, I'm having a hard time to think that the majority of those teams are not going to be picking in the top five, six, or seven next year. Hmm. I mean, it's all of those teams not, seem like you they You know, though, that's not usually how it goes. But I, I, I No, I mean, and, and look, some of them will probably slide. Someone's going to have some injuries and, and things like that. And it's gonna, But, I mean, just coming into the season, it's like, wow, okay, Jacksonville, you know, Falcons, the Jets. I mean, what's 
you know, what's to make you think any of those? And some of them probably will get to double digit. We just know how the averages go. But just coming into the season, it's like, wow, man, these all these teams still have a long way to go hmm. to seem like they're going to be effectively competitive. Now, again, that that'll change. We know how the wheel spins. But I think that's a really good point. We say the Jets, you don't see more than four wins in that division alone. I mean, that that's a tough, that's a brutal division. And, and so I, you know, that's just something that's weird. The offensive line play and just these teams that are in the bottom kind of making headway. Mm. These are two things that I that, that's been deep on Tito Landrum's brain. Uh, I mean, ca- Tito. Counterpoint: This is some Mark Sessler stuff here, where like a week ago you were real, you literally like playing the Hallelujah song. And, I believe you know, in them. And then counterpoint number two is the only thing that matters about the Jets, and maybe that's not true in terms of wins and losses, but the most important thing is Zach Wilson, and you feel better than ever about him after this month. So yep. I, I feel you. You're, there, there was some bad luck, and certainly Lawson is the, is the number one thing to be, con- you know, that's a concern, and that's I, not going to change. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't. I, to me, it was a, it was a positive month because Zach Wilson played well. Just put it this way. If Zach Wilson didn't have a positive month, this would have been an outright disaster of a month for the Jets. But to your point, there's nothing more important than Zach Wilson having a a big month. Uh, So, yes, I'm just I think the Jets can have a successful season without having a nice record. You're trying to protect your protect your heart. Let's revisit after the Jets go down to Carolina. Uh, get that week one victory over the team I'm putting next that I feel worse about, and that's okay. the Panthers. And that's right. partly because I uh, watched their uh, preseason game with Darnold, and I was just like, oh, yeah, it's still Sam Darnold. Uh, I mean, I know it's one preseason game, but remember how everyone likes to say, well, it's the starters against the backups. You can't, like, uh, you can't pull too much from that. You know, that's what Zach Wilson should do. Okay, well, Sam Darnold was with a bunch of, with all his starters against a bunch of backups in the third preseason game. Didn't look very good. Had multiple turnover-worthy plays. Uh, held the ball too long. Ended up getting, like, a, a two-minute drive at the end of the half that, that kind of saved his day, but... Just didn't see the processing, didn't see him like making quick decisions. I think Matt Rule is going to help him out. I think he's going to be better in Carolina, but it just was a reminder this is a young team uh, on both sides of the ball. They've got their own line questions. You're right, Steve. We could say that about 24 or 5 teams, but man, Darnold could use a great line. He definitely doesn't have one. And I just think, I think they made a huge quarterback misfire, and in that little extra tape, uh, cemented it for me. They 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 could have taken Justin Fields. They could have taken Mac Jones. They weren't interested. They wanted Sam Darnold. Yeah, I'm not Carolina. I I still have a lot more question marks before I I check them out of the picture. I I think they're going to be better. I I think you know Darnold's going to improve. I I think they're going to be a better team. And one of those teams are going to be like okay, you know Matt Rule can coach. I, I've got a little I've got a little faith in him. I do too. It was one. It was just like preseason confirming my prior views. But in, and we hadn't mentioned that on on this show that I feel like his his performance in the preseason confirmation been, bias, perhaps, Greg. Absolutely. But he had a. If you go watch that half, he struggled, and it was starters versus backups, and he struggled the same ways that he struggled uh, when he was in New York. That's all. Here, here, here's one I have for you guys, and it's a team. I don't know if I feel worse about them, but I don't necessarily feel better. And that's the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, mm. I know they've added some some defensive talent, they, and they should absolutely be better on defense with J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones and all these guys playing together. But what are they, man? I mean, what I you know you still you still don't know when you look at every other team in that division. I mean, Seattle's gotten better up front of the offensive line. We think we think they've gotten better, you know, at receiver and some of their other positions. The Rams clearly have have 
done some things, you know, quarterback, some things they want to change, even though I think defensively it's going to be interesting with some of the coaching drain that they've had on that staff. Um, and the Niners, you know, we'll see. But it's like Arizona, do, you know, do we even think they have a shot to compete? Mm. And so that that's a team. I mean, I, you can't get a read on them in the preseason, but, you know, look, Cliff Kingsbury's coming in with a very warm seat. Um, we'll see what's up with Steve Kime. They cut another receiver that he drafted. Mm. You know, who Isabella <laughs> or Keyshawn Johnson? No, Keyshawn, Keyshawn, yeah. Keyshawn. They yeah. they cut him. I mean, how many how many receivers are they going to draft and cut? That's two from the same class. Well, they're like team I no practice. They're team no practice. They're like team Arizona. Like what? Chandler Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Green. You got a whole bunch of veterans that just like. Having practice, don't practice. I don't know. Is that gonna is that gonna work? We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Anybody? Uh, we have any others? Uh, one way or the other? Before we. Uh, what do you guys on? do? The Vikings. Yeah, that I, mean, was I think on, that's a team. That that, that's a team downside. that I, that's a team I think that should be good. But man, not a good summer for the Vikings. Uh, everything no, I was here. gonna yeah. I was gonna pick them to the playoffs. I did actually, but no left. Their offensive line maybe looks worse. No Irv Smith, pretty thin. The same problems they had a year ago look like they could have them again. But they're gonna be better defensive. I just saw I saw a headline like the Vikings solved their tight end situation with the Chris Herndon trade, which is silly. But also, how about the <laughs> fact you just look at the back? Not that this is a thing that exists, or maybe it does, because there's a bit of a uh, sports card boom or rebirth happening right now. Look at the back of Kirk Cousins' football card. Like, if he's their quarterback for 17 games, they're going to move the ball. And then Dalvin Cook... Uh, is one of the very best running backs in the league who could do it all. You got Justin Jefferson in year two. You got Adam Thielen there. Uh, so, yes, I get you lose Irv Smith, who's a guy people are feeling good about, but this team is going to score points still, right? And then if the, this is why I put him in the playoffs. This is my rambling setup. And if the defense just gets better than it was last year and Mike Zimmer's a defensive coach, come on, this is a 10-win team. Am I crazy? It could be. No, it no, be. I would think so. I mean, Anthony Barr's back. They've got some pieces back, but... I mean, look, I've known Zimmer for a long time, and he's he's like your textbook curmudgeon, you know, and I love him. But good Lord, he is like at a whole different level of curmudgeonism. Mm. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm, you know I, I think he's coming under a warm seat as well. And mm. so uh, I don't know. I mean, this is a team that, that I, I, I liked coming in, and I don't know if I dislike them anymore coming into the season, but – there just seems to be like some weird mojo. Again, I'm not mm. there every day. I, I don't know, but it just seems to be like some different sauce coming out of there. So and they, and, they lost some key players too. I mean, it, it's a factor. And just to clarify, are you referring to the Kirk Cousins uh, drama? They've had some issues with vaccination rates and Mike Zimmer being outspoken about it and, and Cousins being outspoken and talking about his little plexiglass cube that he might live in this season. You think... And in general, yeah. from a broader perspective, Steve, because you, you're so plugged in, like how much of a factor do you think that could play into this season? The Bills are another team where it's a, it's a, obviously a hot point inside the inside that building that it could mess up some seasons potentially in terms of uh, how this plays out. It absolutely could. I mean, in, in the Colts. I mean, you know, we'll see. This is, this is again, Urban, Urban Meyer said out loud what everyone else is saying secretly i've heard them say it secretly and this is something and especially when it comes to the quarterback position if if all of a sudden you're rolling your roll and all of a sudden your guys got to take a powder for possibly two games mm. because of because of a positive test or or whatever you're you're constantly where you were last season like are we going to get through are we going to get through 
whereas other teams don't have that concern. I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's going to pop up. I mean, I think there's going to be some issues that popped up last year that are going to surface again this year, you know, across the whole league for the NFL scheduling-wise and, and things like that, despite all of the incentives hmm. for people to get vaccinated. Tom Brady's um, vaccinated. I, that that uh, surprised me when the Bucks announced today they're at 100% vaccination rate. So we know Tom Tom took that jab, Dan. He did. Jab. He's, he's he part of 100. And you know, Bruce Arians has been outspoken about it too. And it works for some coaches, I guess, uh, putting the heat on the team a little bit. And others, it seems to be uh, less effective, which adds to curmudgeon nature of Mike Zimmer. Why can't I have the 100% team? Why do I got mm. this, these guys? I, I do want to ask Steve about the Falcons just because he covered them. I don't feel better or worse. Although I was kind of thinking they might be a, a bounce back candidate because if you look at their, their numbers last year, like DVOA and points scored and stuff like that, they were maybe more of like an eight win team that had a lot of bad luck and lost a lot of like heartbreakers. And you know, they're, they're not all bad. You get Arthur Smith, you have a real quarterback. Like what, what was it like? First of all, you're in the booth, which is pretty badass. Like, you know, that was cool. Not, that was not cool, an ex. That was I mean, a no, really good deal. I'm not. I'm not trying to put you in a box here, but not an ex NFL player providing yeah. analysis. Not not being the play by play guy providing analysis is awesome as uh, for me to hear. Just a- anyone do that, and you did an amazing job. I couldn't believe how comfortable the whole booth was. I was like, this is better than the Monday Night Crew right here. You and it was, <laughs> what was it, DJ Shockley. Um, you guys were great yeah, doing those shock, Falcons yeah. games. What, what do you think about the Falcons after being so kind of close with them for three weeks? Well, I mean, thanks for that. I mean, the Falcons' frontline talent's good. Defensively, they're going to be better if they stay healthy. I mean, that front seven, they may not have, you know, an individual winner in terms of pass rusher, but Dean Pease is going to create some stuff. And, and man, they've got some linebackers. I mean, Foye Olukuan is, is really good. Deion Jones is really good. They got this guy, Michael Walker, out of Fresno. Man, he's a player. So they're mm. going to find ways. They're going to use Dante Fowler as a situational pass rusher. You know, they tried to have him as a three down guy last year. That didn't work. They got Dean um, Pease, who's going to be Dean creative. Pease, yeah. D- Dean Pease is going to be creative. AJ Terrell's a really good corner. I mean, I know the film on him last year because you saw him getting beat sometimes. Didn't look great, but, I mean, he didn't have anyone else. So so teams could really do some things offensively. But he's going to be a good corner. they got some other issues, you know, they've got to work through. But if they have one injury, I mean, if they have one injury at any position, that's when you're hitting. I mean, and you know they're going to have an injury. And their offensive line situation. I mean, they had Josh Andrews at left guard, which was a major concern. And he broke his hand. So now they're going to start rookie Jalen Mayfield. Um, they were in that team that, that like didn't have enough money to sign their rookies or whatever. Mark kept bringing this up that they had no one on the <laughs> roster. But that, you're actually kind of speaking to that point that the bottom 20 players on their roster might not be, you know, league ready. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be one of those things. Like if they suffer an injury to, they're quickly going to go from a team trying to compete to a developmental team Do you, where they got to get guys were, ready. You were up close with Kyle Pitts too. Is that guy yeah. jump off the tape and jump jumps off? off. Yeah. Is it jumps off. I mean, immediately, immediately you see the Darren Waller is, you know, the Darren Waller comparison in terms of speed, being able to beat guys, catch balls in traffic. You know, he's got a, a bigger wingspan than, than Waller. I mean, he's one of those guys you could throw it to 20 times a game. You know, he's, he's that versatile. He can line up wide and line, move him. He can block, he competes. He, I mean, he is like super legit. You know, when mm. I saw those joint practices against the Dolphins, you know, the Dolphins they use Eric Rowe as their designated tight end slot guy. You know, that's the guy they I showed on Waller, and they, and he was giving it something to Rowe. I mean, Rowe won his battles too, but for a rookie, 
he's just too big. I mean, Matt Ryan can throw the ball nine feet in the air and he's going to catch it. There's nothing you can do regardless of your coverage. Mm. And that's a great tool to have with Hayden Hurst. Um, it's another option of tight end. I mean, what? Geez, but I mean, Pitts, Pitts is real. What people really want to know, though, Steve, is should they select Kyle Pitts with a fourth round pick in their fantasy draft? Because that's where yep. he's going. Okay. Touchdowns. Okay. Touchdowns. All right. Yep. All right. Yep. There, there you, you go. go. They're not going to run it in. Can't punch it in. Throw it to Pitts. Teams. Shout out to all the uh, all the listeners, by the way, who sent me their uh, rosters full of my faves from the Fantasy Spectacular. I don't know Ooh, if I sold good. my takes better this year, but I don't remember this in the past. But everyone's just sending me all their rosters of all my faves. So that's cool. And, I, and I won't it, let you down. And also, in fairness, uh, because we did throw some shade earlier, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, also a, a color analyst that does not have NFL experience. So that's he's true. much better than me as well. He climbed the mountain as well. That's true. He worked for a team, but that's that's true. Mina Mina Kimes is another one that stands out. But I love. We need more of these. I think they add a lot to a booth, alongside like an ex player. It's the perfect perfect mix. Let's now move straight into it. He is a stalwart senior writer at the Athletic. He covers the NFL. He covers the Raiders, and maybe nobody does it better. Welcome back to the Around the NFL podcast. Vic Tafer even got his last name correctly uh, pronunciated this time. I'm on fire. How about you, Vic? I'm on fire. Let's go. All right. <laughs> Vic, is, Vic is a big guy. He's kind of like, maybe I'm the best covering the Raiders. Come on. All right, Vic. So your boots on the ground with the Raiders. This is a big season, obviously, for that whole organization. And before I get your opening thoughts, let's just hear from the general manager, Mike Mayock, who spoke with the media this week and uh, made no bones about it. It's time for progress in the form of relevant January football. Here's what Mayock had to say. We think we're going to be a pretty good football team. Uh, We're not hiding from expectations. I think John and I would both tell you that we feel like we need to be a playoff team this year. And I don't think there's any doubt about that. And you guys are all going to put that in your headlines, and, and I understand it. Um, but we're not – I mean, that's what the expectation is. We think we've done um, the infrastructure work necessary to put us in position, and we got to take care of business. Well, how say you, Vic? Do, do you think they've done the, the proper amount of infrastructure work to make this a playoff team? I do enjoy the advice to put it in our headlines. I like to be like, hey, this guy, this is important, guys. Focus on this. But um, I thought, I thought, you know, this is obviously year four for John Gruden. So I, I would have thought last year might have been kind of a, you know, do or die kind of year. But I get the timeline now. We're on to this year. It's, uh, it's a key year for Derek Carr and his contract. This is the last year before they have to kind of give him an extension. Uh, Mike Mayak's probably himself on the hot seat a little bit. So, um, I think they've got a little more talent on defense, obviously. I think uh, Yannick Ngakwe was a big-time signing. Uh, Trayvon Morrig, I think, is uh, is really good, the safety uh, TCU. Uh, I still question the depth. I think the depth is still a pretty big issue for them. So, um, But I agree with the whole uh, playoffs or bust kind of mentality. I'm not quite sure they're, they're mm. quite there yet, but they're, they're definitely you know getting a little closer. Mayock looks pretty, like, in, like he's in pretty good shape. He might be competing with Weiss's. Like the best, uh, best in shape over fifty guy. Not to age you there, Steve. But. Oh no, I'm 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 very happy. Vic knows. Vic, Vic and I, Vic, hey, Vic and I go back to the Miami Herald. Vic, what years were you there? Like ninety. We were. I was. <laughs> yeah, you're not as old as me. I, I'm pretty. Yeah, it's probably close. I'm old. Yes, yeah, so we were back there a long time, uh, a long time ago. So I can't remember how far back it was, but uh, back <laughs> but here's, in the days. Here, here's what I have. Here's what I hear when when people say like. You know, it's it's a make or break year for the for who, 
Gruden has got the ultimate, you know, landing landing pad. I mean, for Mayock. I mean, you know, you know, Mike. Mike's a great scout and does all this, but Gruden has final say. I mean, Mark Davis ain't going to pull the plug on Gruden with five years left on that deal. Mm-hmm. Well, Mayock might have been speaking about himself, and maybe Derek Carr too. You know, maybe it's a little bit of projecting. He might know they need to be the playoffs, or Gruden will find someone else to. But I don't know, David do Carr's bidding. not the problem here, right, Vic? I mean, and Mike Mayock, frankly, probably isn't the problem here. These these are systemic issues that maybe go beyond the quarterback. This team could score points. We were just talking about it. Uh, and if, if Mayock's being set up as the sacrificial lamb here, like, I, I, if I'm a Raiders fan, am I not feeling too good about the basic structure of this organization four years into this thing? Well, that's some bad, you know, bad free agent signings, bad draft picks in the last three or four years. Even before that, you go back, you know, they've had one winning season in 20 years. So that's a lot, oh. a lot of, a lot of bad draft picks, a lot of bad free agent signings. So I think they hopefully got it right this year. And they had one you know, big bullet to shoot. That was in Gakway. And he, by all means, is in better shape. He's gained weight, wants to show he's like a, you know, a three down guy, not just a, a pass rush specialist. He's come in. He and Max Crosby have really connected. Their Max is in great shape. So they feel they have like two real bona fide pass rushers for the first time in a long time. So for them, that's been a huge issue. And same with I mentioned Mary earlier. Uh, they haven't had a, a real center fielder at safety for a long time. A guy who can actually make plays since Charles Woodson and Woodson was you know not what he was in his prime when he was here the second time so even that's not the high bar you would think it would be but so they have two guys that haven't had defense and so to your point about Derek Carr I, I agree with you. it's not his fault that they haven't gone to playoffs you know uh, only that one time in 2016 but uh, he, he has to do more I think the offense can make a, a jump this year and get a little better in the red zone but primarily it's the defense the defense has to make some plays they blew three games late last year so that to me is the key uh, the key area this year. Well, it's unfair. Maybe it's unfair to Mayak because we don't know who's making the final calls. Ultimately, it's it's yes, probably we Gruden. Do. Okay, we do know it's Gruden, but you can't you can't help but read into the fact that that the the Raiders have invested more draft capital in defensive backs in in safeties. The position that Mayak you know played is kind of an expert than any team in the league. And they haven't, you know, necessarily worked out. You know, they're still there. Like, I think Trayvon Mullen could be good. Damon Arnett's are there. Morag's there. They they picked up Hayward as a, a free agent. I mean, Donovan Abrams been kind of a bust so far. Like, those are a ton of picks, and you kind of you associate that a little bit with Mayock, and they're not working out. Like, this is when I, when he says like we need to be a playoff team. I I kind of think it's like we need to be a competent defense because I've had a big hand in putting together this defense, and it's been one of the worst in the NFL. Yeah, definitely. Competency is definitely key. If they can be, if they'd be like a middle of the road defense, they should be fine. I think their offense will be probably was top ten last year. They should be fine this year. They got Josh Jacobs. I think he's gonna have a big year. Kenyon Drake is a nice little uh, secondary piece. They got uh, you know, Darren Waller is only gonna get better. I think uh, people think he's reached his ceiling, but he's not close. I mean, he was a receiver in college. He's uh, already in my book the third best tight end in the league, and he wants to be the best. And I'm not betting against him. So I think that's a key key piece that a lot of teams can't can't defend against him. You can't put a safety on him. You can't put a cornerback on him. You can't put a linebacker on him. They got a really scheme to stop that guy. So they got a lot of tools on offense. And like you said, the defense just has to be not embarrassing uh, bad. And then they'll be, uh, we'll, make, we'll make some progress. Vic, we're talking about personnel, but I think what, I think the Raiders made one of the best offseason acquisitions in the NFL. And that's Gus Bradley, right? Coming to this defense. He, you talk about a guy who knows how to scheme with maybe not a great 
And they've got Unique Ngakwe is a stud. He 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 is a he's a winner in terms of beating guys and double teams and stuff like that. But if you've got a pass rusher in terms of putting another linebacker on the same side, like he'll line up him and Crosby on the same sides when you get in the regular season. He'll, he'll do some gaming. How much to what Gus Bradley likes to do, again, leaving the corners out there in zone protection and getting after up front, do you think can help out this defense? Yeah, definitely. I think Gus has been a, a big breath of fresh air. Not just schematically, like he's making the defense simpler. Guys don't have to think as much last year. And the guys are trying to think about where they should be in their assignments. And I mean, they, they should be able to do that. But last year, obviously, it was a problem. So simpler defense, guys can run and react better. And just in terms of his personality, he's like one of the most uh, optimistic, like happiest guys I've ever met in my life, which is a huge nothing against Paul Gunther. Gunther is more of a you know hardcore kind of in your face kind of guy, kind of a little gruffly. So I think based on the just on the whole attitude change uh, of these young guys has definitely been welcome as, as well. Hmm. So Gus right. is just like you in terms of happy. Exactly. He Gus and I are like the same, but no, not all right. Much. I'm gonna look I'm looking into my crystal ball, Vic. And we're, okay. gonna see, we're gonna see GI in this later. So okay. just play along. And I see nine and eight for the Raiders in 2021. Is that optimistic, pessimistic, or is it right on? That's probably pretty close. I mean, I think with the Vegas over-under is still seven and a half, which I think is a little low. I think just the offense should be – there's no reason the offense shouldn't be good. The O-line, I know a lot of people said they you know, got rid of the three veteran, veteran guys, Ronnie Hudson, Gabe Jackson, Trent Brown, who definitely at one point were big-time guys. And But they, they should be fine. The depth is, again, questionable. But the O-line should be good enough, and I think the running game will be fine. So, mm. again, it all comes down to defense. I think the defense can – if they make a big jump on a Gus Bradley and then Gakwa, then they can do better than 9-8. But I think 9-8 is definitely a fair and pretty probably a pretty accurate goal. I know it's a little random, but I don't want to let you go before just because you were there every day. Like, what happened to my guy Smokey Brown? He he won the award, and and Mayock and John Gruden won the award this year. And tell someone tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he got the most amount of guaranteed money of any player across the NFL this offseason that did not make the team. And like Zay Jones made the team over John Brown. Like what what happened here? Like this is the type of stuff that does make you it's worry about the structure yeah. that like Dan was talking about at the beginning. Like what what happened there? Well, I think when John Brown signed here, he looked at the roster, the depth chart. Like, all right, we got Rugs, Edwards, the draft picks. I get that. I, I, I thought he might in. be their number one. He was pretty good last year in Buffalo. Number one? Wow. I, I mean, uh, I don't know. You love John Brown. No, John Brown had a good year last year, but I think his well, his problem was he came and didn't realize how much the coaches love Zay Jones. The coaches, they love Zay Jones. Zay Jones, I think, had like 15 catches last year, I want to guess, and got a million-dollar Pay increase this year. They gave him one million dollars more than one point five he made last year. So clearly, they liked him a lot. He's in great. Always says in the best shape of anyone on the roster and smart guy. Veteran John loves the veteran receiver. So I think John Brown's probably surprised uh, during camp that hey, I'm, I'm below Zay Jones. And so at some point, he's like, I can't be below Zay Jones. So I'm, I'm going to play. And he's good enough to play somewhere. So um, yeah, ideally, you don't give a guy three point two million dollars and then cut him. Um, that's probably yes. <laughs> Kind of ideal, an ideal world, but um, you got to jack a- up those prices on like the pool uh, season tickets or whatever, you know, like like hanging out on the, on the sidelines at the thing if you're if you're just throwing three point two million dollars away. Yeah, it's actually I think it's one point seven five was a, was a signing bonus and the okay. one point five salaries offset. So if he signs somewhere else, I think he will. That but still, it's two million dollars. You you pretty much uh, lit on fire, which is not 
not good. But again, this history of this team's transactions over the years, that's not an uncommon occurrence. They kind yeah. of they, they light money on fire pretty regularly. So um, if Zay Jones plays well, no one's going to care about this, you know, week six. And I think last year Aguilar was a big surprise. I don't know if Zay Jones can do that, but he should be able to be fine in this offense and make some key plays for me every now and then. And speaking of fire, as we let you go, Vic, and thank you so much for your time. I, you are you're a guy that's respected, I'm sure, in that building. They all love Vic. Maybe no, sometimes they don't. No. Sure. Sometimes <laughs> they hate Vic. Oh, yes. Yeah. They, they that's me, that's yes. a badge of honor, as we all know. But <laughs> but maybe you could use your clout within the team uh, to replace the digital flame. Uh, with the real deal, Holyfield, oh. get us back the the everlasting flame, the Al Davis flame. Just one thing to work on this season, maybe if you have some extra time. That's pretty big, though. It's probably a fire hazard. I think if you get a real fire in there, I I mean, know, I'm but not it's sure not you can cool. actually pull that off. That might be right. dangerous, but I like the idea. But we'll, uh, I'll see All what right. I can do. I'll, I'll, make, I'll make some calls. And next time Vic's on, he's going to share some uh, examples of uh, the team disliking him, and that's going to be fun. Ooh, that'll be good. All right. Stay tuned. Uh, do, you want me, do, you want me to, do you want me to tell Vic? I, I can no. He knows a bunch of them, I'm sure. No, it's, yeah. all good. Good. it's all good. Till the off season. All right, Vic. Best of luck, <laughs> luck uh, this season, and thanks for joining us. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks, Vic. There you go. Um, had to let Vic go there. He gave us so much time, and it was great. Uh, but I, my one other thought when I think about this roster is, yeah, I don't know if Darren Waller gets better. I mean, he was basically uncoverable in the last six or seven weeks of the season. If you get that guy, that is going to be more than good enough, and I believe that Carr is who he is, which is like above the Dalton line, maybe not a true franchise um, star, but a guy that will win games, uh, and Josh Jacobs should uh, solidify that backfield. Henry Ruggs, 12 overall pick last year. If they could add one more guy that is a real difference maker on offense, they can win some of these shootouts, um, and they did well against the Chiefs last year, as you remember. Uh, Ruggs is such a key guy after a tough year. I know he's put on some muscle, he's, uh, that old uh, trope, uh, but they kind of need one more guy if they really want to win some of these shootouts if their defense is only going to be meh. Maybe two, because they don't have Nelson Aguilar. That was, I, maybe I'm overrating John Brown last year. I remember some big games. Yeah, he <laughs> was, was taken aback by how much you like yeah, John Brown. I mean, maybe I'm overrating him, <laughs> but... Th- they're starting rugs. They're starting uh, Brian Edwards. They love Brian Edwards. They love Zay Jones. Th- that, that they are also an answer to who are three receivers who have never topped 500 yards or 600 yards in, a, in an NFL season before. Mm. Like not never, not not one of those three guys have ever done anything. And, may, and Edwards and Rugs are just entering year two. That's maybe it's a little unfair, and maybe they're going to be great. But they better be right, I guess, about that self scouting. Yeah, and and especially they want to get past the Broncos, right, Greg? Right. It's a good division. Broncos, number two, Chargers and Broncos. It's a good division. I know Steve is super busy like we are during the season, uh, but if we can get Steve back on at some point, once the season really takes shape and we decide who was right and who was wrong about the Broncos, someone gets to have a victory parade over the other guy. Uh, and I'm just going to sit from the, from the stands and enjoy it all. I can't wait. I'm, I'm hoping they live up to their potential, but I'm just saying they've got to, they've got to average 24 points a game in this division to, to even have a shot, and I just don't know if that's going to happen unless they get the takeaways on mm. defense. Get, get those phantom points like the Rams got last year with all of their defensive scores. Take, um, taking on Steve Weiss is not like a smart move within <laughs> NFL media. It's like that, that's a it's like. Steve was back on NFL AM back in the day. It's like, I don't know where a lot of that that crew is, but Steve's still right here. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and Steve's an assassin. You're, you're going to get a text about four minutes from now, Greg, from Weiss being like, don't you ever cross me on the show. Don't you ever disagree yeah, right. with me. Don't yeah. you know who I am? That's me. 
That's me. I'm no. hard, man. I'm hard. Um, all right, Steve. Tell us first of all, get your Steve Weiss song submissions in, everybody. Be a part of the show's history forever. Uh, the ATN podcast at Gmail. Steve, where can uh, listeners find you uh, this season? I know you're all over the place. Yeah, look, I, I mean, I'm going to be here from time to time. Uh, no podcast. Yes, no podcast. The uh, the mm. flow has 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 met its maker. Oh, it's been um, permanently no. shuttered. Bummer. Okay. It's, Dang. It's 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 uh, yeah. It's unfortunately uh, in the ether. But you can find me on the Twitter account at Weich89. Uh, I will be on NFL Now, Game Day, and all other pretty much NFL you're, media. You're everywhere. But people should check out Sunday. I know. I know that Black College Football Hall of Fame game. I know you're excited great. about that. Aren't they going to play that? Is that different than the two the game they were hoping to play at Tulane at some point? No, no, this, this is different. The game at Tulane is is the week after the Super Bowl. That's going to okay. happen uh, February nineteenth. That is the HBCU Legacy Bowl. That's that's kind of the Black College Senior Bowl. It's going to be week week of workouts, up to one hundred draft eligible players there for that's a team jump cool. scout and all this. No, this is an actual game. You know, to kick things off between Tennessee State and Grambling, the two of the most historic HBCUs in college football history. It, it confused me because it's at the Tom Benson Stadium in Canton. I got I kind of like mixed it all up. But good job by <laughs> Tom as, Benson. Good job by. And Tom as Benson. you know, at, at Tulane, like the Bensons also help fund Yulman Stadium. It's like Yulman Stadium at Benson Field, and everything at mm-hmm. Tulane University. So yes, the Bensons have their hand in a lot. And and speaking of Benson, shout out to everybody in New Orleans, the Gulf, the Gulf Coast, and especially in the path we were seeing in New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania, and Delaware too with the storms. Man, they're they're going through it, so we can only wish the best for them. Brutal, yeah. Absolutely. Was, um, Breaking New news. Day. What's that? Breaking the uh, Raiders have just signed KJ Wright. Okay. Ooh. Matters, Gus Bradley. Raiders, we did that Raiders. was a Gus Bradley link. Gus Bradley link. Grave digger, hit the drop. I got to tell you, I can't believe he was out there for this long. He was six, He was number 67. Top 100. Grave that was digger. risky move by Grave Digger. Right as we're, you know... Ending that's, the show, it better get over the line there of whether it's worth the breaking news. KJ Wright was ranked in our in our top uh, top fifty, I think, free agents available. So I think it just cleared the line. That is that that was worth it. He was Thank a top one hundred player, top one hundred yeah. player, number yep. sixty seven. Yep. It was just out there until now. That's a shot. great pickup. Yep. That's, great pickup. That's Grave Digger and hit me the hit me the drop again, Grave Digger. That's Gravedigger, like he's he's four of six from behind the arc at the Y, and all of a sudden he just pulls up from 28 and says, let's see what happens here. And guess what? Swish, baby. That's one of the, yeah, you better make it or else everyone's <laughs> looking at you sideways. <laughs> it's like, what, who do you think you are, Steph Curry? But he, right. he connected, he connected, he rattled it in. Very interesting to watch how the Raiders, they're, they're a fascinating team this season, and uh, we'll see how it plays out. Thank you, Mr. Weish. Uh, you're the best. And um, Greg will be back tomorrow. Well, yes, on NFL.com and then on NFL Network after that with the Around the NFL broadcast. It's our final hour-long show before we go to a two-hour show in the regular season uh, where we'll uh, embrace a new format that's going to give you coverage of every team 
every episode. We're really excited about that, and we'll mm. tell you more about it as it gets closer. How um, long do we have to wait till it's like polite to ask Steve to come back? Because we've got two hours to fill, Steve. We're gonna. It's gonna be <laughs> when, pretty when the, soon when the, here. When the Broncos, be... when the Broncos are eight and one, I'll okay. be right there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> awesome. All right. So make sure you check that out. Follow Steve. Thank you, Gravedigger, for filling in so beautifully all week. And we will be back next week, which will be the week of the regular season's beginning. Beautiful. Till then, heed the call.